Welcome back to the MMA Discourse Podcast. I am your host, Blake Horton. I'm here in the Silent W Studios, and I am just a little bit aggravated. We'll get to that in just a second. Um, we got a lot to talk about today on today on the, this week's episode. Uh, we had UFC 251 last Saturday. Really good card. Um, we had... Dan Ige versus Calvin Cater on Wednesday night. Uh, pretty good card. And then we have a card to preview this weekend. UFC flyweight title hopefully will no longer be vacated after Saturday night as Joseph Benavidez takes on Figueroa in a rematch uh, to fill the flyweight title left vacant by Henry Cejudo. But... Let's get into my aggravation right off the bat. UFC 251 took place from Abu Dhabi on Fight Island. It had a five-fight main card, and it was a, it was a very, very good card. It was a financial success by all indicators. Um, supposedly had 1.3 million pay-per-view buys, which is really good. Speaks to Jorge Masvidal's uh you know, selling power, his drawing power. Also, there's no other sports on, so, you know, I think we may have maybe had a lot of casual fans tune in, which is good. And they got a very high-quality card uh, on that main card. And I was pleased with the show, but let's get into my aggravation. It happened in the co-main event, uh... Alexander Volkanovsky retains his featherweight title against Max Holloway via split decision, 48-47, 48-47, and 47-48. Um, man, I'm not necessarily, I am aggravated at the decision, but I'm. it's not a robbery, okay? It, it wasn't a robbery. I'm really aggravated because, man, I would have went perfect five for five on this card, Uh and I thought Max Holloway had done enough to win. I gave him the first and the second and the third round, and I thought the fifth round was actually really close. Um, one judge, actually, the judge that scored it for Holloway, gave him the fifth round. Uh, I gave Holloway the third, and then I gave Volkanovski the fourth and narrowly gave Volkanovski the fifth. But, um, you know, it just sucks because... Max Holloway's rounds were way clearer than Volkanovski's rounds. And, you know, when that happens with a 10-point musket system, you know, you know, you get fights like this where a, a scorecard, you could have four scorecards that are okay, you know, that are that are defendable. I think you could have saw it 48-47 for Volkanovski. Uh, two judge salt way that that is a totally defensible card. I think um, I think three rounds to two for Max is a defensible card. I think four rounds to one for Max would be a def defensible card. So you know, it it just it's a ten point must system, and you know I I don't know how we fix it. I think any system is going to have problems. I think if you judge this fight. Overall, uh, you know, just judge the fight as a whole. I don't think you would have too many people giving the fight to Volkanovski because Max really, you know, landed the more significant strikes in in the fight. You know, he dropped uh, 
Volkanovski twice. Um, Volkanovski did get a few takedowns, but really didn't think they amounted to much. And, you know, do you do half points? Does that make a difference? Do you give Max uh, two 10-9s in the first and second? You know, and then, you know, Volkanovski gets nine and a half for his three rounds if you want to give him the third. You know, maybe you give Max the third on a nine and a half. I, I don't know. Um, but we're not going to know unless the UFC, when they are self-regulating like they are now, if they don't experiment with open scoring. Would open scoring have made a difference? If Max Holloway comes out uh, into his corner between the third and fourth rounds and finds out he lost that third round on all three judges' scorecards, does the fourth round look different? Does the fifth round look different? Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, I, I don't know. I know that we have to experiment, and Invicta is at least, you know, uh, the, the commission in Kansas where Invicta fights, they're doing the open scoring thing. It seems to be working really well. Seems like it's a pretty smooth operation. Um, I want to see the UFC experiment with that, especially when they're self-regulating. And we can we can figure out, um, you know, a best practice. Um, you know, they, they did it with weight cutting. You know, they they lobbied. You know, if the UFC would lobby for something, more than likely the commissions would get on board, um, especially with procedural things like open scoring. So I'm a little bit aggravated. And like I said, I'm not terribly upset about the decision. Um, you know, I'm just kind of playing it off that, you know, they fucked up my pr predictions, you know, so, um, but I, I had Max win in the fight. I think the, the scorecard for Volkanovski is, um, is a very defensible scorecard. Um, I just, I just saw it the other way. Now I haven't rewatched it either. Um, I don't, I think you can learn things from rewatching it, but at the same time, the judges don't rewatch it before they score the fight either. So, you know, you know, how I judge it is based on what I saw watching the fight. And I saw Max Holloway winning that fight three rounds to two, if not four rounds to one. I, th I thought the fifth round was really close. I gave it to Volkanovski. I thought you could give it to Holloway. I thought the third round, it was close, but I gave that round to Holloway. So ah, just the 10-point must system, we need to find a way to tweak it. We need to find a way... To, to modify it we need to we need to find an alternate system we need to let the fighters know the scores there's something we can do so we don't get these decisions um that are defensible but maybe wrong at the same time um so that's my two cents on the judging from that fight um as far as the fight, I know we have a main event to talk about, but I, I really thought the Holloway-Volkanovski fight was the more intriguing of the title fights to talk about. Man, I, I really was impressed with what Max Holloway did. Um, I want to say he listened to the podcast. I said he needed to kick it a lot more, and he came out kicking. And to the body, to the head, didn't kick the legs a whole lot, but and I really thought he pushed the pace on Volkanovski, and Volkanovski had trouble dealing with it early on and I think they kind of settled in and Volkanovski was able to kind of go back and figure some things out um, 
But I thought Max Holloway had a superb game plan. Really changed up his style from the last fight. Seemed to avoid the leg kicks a little a little more. He definitely ate his fair share, but it didn't seem like they affected him as much. He was able to to fire offense back off the leg kicks. I, I just thought it was a really good performance. Gritty performance by Volkanovski also to dig out of that hole and, and scratch and claw his way to a split decision victory. Um Really good fight. I thought it was, you know, fight of the night. Um, just just a superb performance by, in my opinion, the two best featherweights in the world right now. Um, and we'll talk about what's next for each of those guys. We're going to play a little little match game uh, later on where I'm going to match up the featherweight division, uh, what I want to see coming out of these uh, latest cards. And so I'm not going to talk about really what's next for those two guys. We'll get to that later in the pod. But I, I thought it was a really impressive fight, but I had I had all the way winning. Let's go into the main event of UFC 251. It featured the welterweight championship bout between Kamaru Usman and Jorge Masvidal coming in on, uh, what, about six days' notice and flying halfway across the world to fight uh, the best welterweight in the world. And... It went about what I thought it would be. I thought Masvidal came out really aggressive, and Usman just shut him down from there on. Uh, you know, Masvidal had his moments. He landed some clean punches here and there. I, I just don't know how much, um, you know, I, I just don't know what Masvidal's game plan was. Um, I mean, he came out kicking a lot, and that led to the takedown, and and then he just never seemed comfortable after that. Uh, Kamar Usman, tremendous job. He's very, very good against the cage, uh, very good with his, with his ground control, and, you know, he just overwhelmed Masvidal. Now, I thought that the short notice would really, would really help Masvidal as far as strategy, I thought it would be harder for Kamara Usman to adjust to Masvidal on six days' notice than it would be for Masvidal to jump in on six days' notice. And and if that was the case, then I would hate to see what Kamara Usman does to Jorge Masvidal when he gets a chance to prepare. But that being said, that was not the best Jorge Masvidal we've seen in the UFC Um you know, he seemed like he was having trouble figuring out the pace of the fight. And, you know, when he would explode, he would immediately get tied up. And, uh, you know, he, he had his moments. He landed some clean shots. But, I mean, this this was, you know, he he lost uh, on two judges' scorecards 50 to 45. He, he got a round on one judge's scorecards. I assume that was the first round. Um, he did have some good offense in that first round before the takedown. But, you know, he just didn't have a lot after that. I scored at 50-45 for Usman. Um, you know, I, I just don't know what what changes Jorge can make um, to avoid being outgrappled. I just think Usman is so good when he gets guys tied up against the fence. I don't know, you know in the short term, if, if Masvidal can make the adjustments to do much better in a rematch against Usman. What's next for these two guys? You know, Usman's calling for a shot at GSP. 
I, I don't see that happening. Um, man, it's it's really tough spot for that welterweight division because Usman's beat a lot of guys there. Um, let me pull up the UFC welterweight rankings here real quick. Um, you know, Gilbert Burns is there. That was the fight that was supposed to take place. He is ranked number one in the UFC welterweight rankings. So I think if you can do that on a short turnaround, I would like to see that fight. Gilbert Burns looked really impressive his last fight against Tyron Woodley. Um, and I think he's a really good, I think he's a, uh, a interesting stylistic matchup for Usman. He's got slick striking and he's got really good jiu-jitsu. Um, I think Usman probably wins the grappling department, but I don't know if he wins the stand-up department. Gilbert, Boone's, Gilbert Burns is pretty slick on his stand-up. He varies his offense really well, and and he's got really good slick jiu-jitsu. So I'm really interested to see that matchup. So you could go with that. There's also Leon Edwards. I think it really comes down to those two guys. Leon Edwards was supposed to be in that fight against Tyron Woodley. Of course, with the COVID situation, he was not able to travel from England. Um, so hopefully they can get Leon Edwards a fight against somebody soon. I would like to see a Leon Edwards versus Steven Wonderboy fight if if they go the Burns versus Usman route. I think that's a very interesting fight. I'm curious to see how each of those guys would approach the other. But yeah, man, you know... There's Colby Covington. He's ranked second. They're trying to fight. They're trying to book him against Tyron Woodley. Um, there's some scuttlebutt about that. You know, Colby's posting bout agreements against Woodley, saying Woodley ducked him. Woodley's saying, I'll fight him in a nursing home um, when I'm 96, but I won't fight him on August 22nd because that's a day that Colby wants to fight. So, you know, I've heard better arguments from both guys in um, my little son's play dates, and he's six. So, you know, it's it's <laughs> it's ridiculous, actually, to me. But they're trying to set up that fight. Uh, I think that's a that's a really good that's a really good fight. It's an anticipated fight um, at this point. I don't know what Colby gains from fighting Woodley. Woodley's on a three fight lose streak uh, losing streak now. Um, you know. I just, uh, is that right, Woodley, on a three-fight or two-fight? Hold on just a second here. I think he's on a three-fight, right? Give me just a second. I know I should have had this pulled up. All right, Tyrone Woodley, he lost. He has lost. No, he's just lost two fights in a row. Uh, the Usman fight and the Burns fight. I thought he lost another one in there, but he's, you know, he's on a two fight skid. Colby's on a, you know, he just lost to Usman as well. So, um, you know, I guess it's not that bad of a matchup as rankings wise. Um, but I, I think Tyron Woodley would benefit from a win more than Colby would in that fight. But, you know, the welterweight division's really kind of, you know, it's kind of some guys that Usman's either already beat. Or they're down the rankings, you know, a ways. Let's just go through the the top ten here. You got Gilbert Burns as number one. I think that that's probably the way they'll lean for the next title shot. Colby Covington, you can put him against Woodley, who's number five. 
Uh, Leon Edwards is number three. Um, man, he's the real, he's the guy, kind of the odd man out. I mentioned Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. He's ranked sixth. I think that matchup probably is the best one you, you could do for Leon Edwards. Uh, Masvidal is ranked fourth. I don't see him fighting any of those guys anytime soon. I think he would look for a bigger name. Uh, you know, Conor McGregor, that's been floated out there a little bit. You could do the Nate Diaz rematch would sell big. I, I think he's looking for a money fight, and I don't know if a, like a Leon Edwards is that guy for uh, Masvidal. And, th- and they have history even, and I just don't know at this point in Masvidal's career if he would see that that fight would be worth it. So I, I think Jorge Masvidal is kind of a mystery in this dis- in this division right now as far as you know contenders go. Um, he's ranked fourth. Woodley's fifth. We talked about him and Covington. Uh, Wonderboy is sixth. I think that's the matchup for Leon Edwards. And then you go to Damian Maya, Michael Chiesa, RDA, and then Jeff Neal, who is a, a scary prospect in that top ten. So the one seventy division is kind of it's kind of messed up right now. Um, you know, like I said, Usman's beat a lot of those guys. He's beat you know he's beat Covington. He's beat Leon Edwards already. He's beat Tyron Woodley. He's beat Masvidal now. He's beat. Damian Maya. So, I mean, as far as fresh matchups, there's the Stephen Wonderboy Thompson fight. I think that'd be interesting, but I mean, he's sixth and he's, you know, <laughs> he's just coming off a, a one fight win streak. So, oh man, 170 is, is really complicated right now. Um, and I, they just don't have a lot of good options. And I think Burns is the best one there. Um, let's go back to the 251 card. Um, so yeah, as far as Masvidal, man, I, he has options there, but I think, you know, there's the Connor fight. I don't know if Connor wants that right now. I think Connor's really wanting that 155 title shot against Gaethje or Khabib. Um, you know, I, I would I would like to see Masvidal play with catch weight, maybe. You know, drop down 10, you know, not 10 pounds, but yeah, 10 pounds, 7 pounds. Do uh 162 catch weight or something. Um, maybe it would be a good time to introduce that 165 title. Maybe do Colby and, and Jorge Masvidal for the 165 title. Man, there's a lot of things that you could do uh, with Masvidal, but I think they're going to have to use, it's either going to have to be a big money fight like Connor, or they're going to have to get creative with how they book him going forward, or we might not see Masvidal in the cage for a little bit. Um, Co-main event, we talked about uh, Volkanovski defeated Holloway. In the um, third fight from the top, Peter Yan defeats Jose Aldo. TKO punches in the fifth round, uh, 324 into the fifth round, and it probably could have been stopped a lot sooner than that. A poor stoppage uh, in that fight. Uh, This fight went a lot how I thought it was going to go. I thought my predictions were actually really, really good. I'm going to pat myself on the back. Not too hard, though. Um, but I thought Peter Yan, I thought Aldo looked okay coming out. Um, but then as the fight went on, I just thought Peter Yan was was really just kind of marching uh, Aldo down and really starting to connect and beat on him a little bit. And 
And then he was able to get the finish, get Aldo out of there late. I wasn't sure if he was going to be able to get him out of there, but he did in the fifth round. He really came on strong. Aldo had his moments in this fight, but like I said, I thought Jan, once Jan kind of got in there and got a feel for Aldo, he would start to turn up the heat on Aldo. And that's kind of what happened. And and Aldo, at this point in his career, um, once he starts taking damage, um, especially as the fight goes on, he seems to be kind of wilting under that pressure a little bit. And uh, big win for Peter Jan here. Um, I was impressed with him. I'd picked him to win. And, you know, sets up a really good matchup against him and Aljermaine Sterling. Aljermaine Sterling uh, definitely deserves that title shot. He is uh, ranked second. He's behind Marlon Moraes. Uh, Marlon Moraes uh, has a victory over Aldo. Uh, but he lost to Cejudo pretty convincingly. Uh, the the fight against Aldo was really close. But Aljamain Sterling's the guy there. Aljamain Sterling is kind of creeping in that Tony Ferguson territory where he's he's on a pretty good fight, you know, pretty good win streak. I think his last loss was the Marais knockout, if I'm if I'm correct. Um, he deserves the title shot. There's some creative things you can do with Marais there. Colby Garbrandt is there. Um, you could do the Cody Sandhagen fight, Corey Sandhagen fight, excuse me. Um, you know, you could do the Aldo rematch. Pedro Munoz looked really good his last fight. Um, Jimmy Re- Jimmy Rivera had a nice bounce back performance. So I think there's options there at the top of that division. Uh, like I said, Marais is the number one contender according to the rankings, but you got to match up Yon versus Sterling. As far as Aldo, what's next for Aldo? And I really would like to see Aldo get a win. He's 0-2 at Bantamweight now. Um, you know, there's some interesting fights for him. There's a lot of guys there that he hasn't fought. You could do Corey Sandhagen versus Jose Aldo. Both those guys would be coming off losses. Um, Jimmy Rivera had a nice back, back, bounce back win. You could put him and Aldo together. Uh, Rafael Hassansau's there still. You know, longtime vet. Uh, Dominic Cruz, Dominic Cruz versus Jose Aldo. I'm up for that. Dominic Cruz is ranked 11th in that division. Uh, you know, Jose Aldo is ranked sixth. So I think that's the matchup I'm going to see for Aldo. I want to see Jose Aldo versus Dominic Cruz. That six years ago, that would have been a dream fight. So I'm all for that. Excuse me. I had to take a drink of my root brewski. All right, let's get on down the card. Um, in a strawweight, a women's strawweight matchup, Rose Nama Yunus returns to defeat Jessica Andrade via split decision 29-28-28-29-28. A really good, really good fight by both by both ladies, but I really thought this was Rose's um, you know, fight. I didn't really understand the split decision. I had it. I had it for Rose, two rounds to one. Rose looked pretty sharp in this, and she did a really, really good job about her cage positioning. I would have been interested to see what would have happened if this fight took place at the apex in the smaller cage. Uh, I think that would have really benefited Andrade, but they were in the bigger cage here, and Rose did a very, very good job of not getting behind those two black lines. She did not let herself get cornered. She did not let herself get close to that cage. 
she kept the fight out in the middle and that's and she had great success there um Andrade definitely had her moments um you know she really um jacked up Rose's eye pretty good but man I really thought this was a pretty clear victory for Rose Nama Yunus I think this works out best case scenario for the UFC you can put Rose against Zhang Weilei now for that strawweight title it's a much anticipated fight uh, as far as Andrade um, man you know she had the bad break against you know she had the tremendous victory against Rose she cut, she follows that up, gets uh, put out by Waylay in, you know, very quickly, and then has this fight against Rose. Good fight, good performance, just wasn't enough to get a victory. She is, you know, now lost two in a row. Um, you know, where does that put her, um, you know, next? Um, you know, there... There are some good fights for Jessica Andrade. Um, I'm not really big on the on the Jan Jacek rematch for Andrade right now, uh, but you got Tatiana Suarez. If she can get healthy, I think that's a really interesting fight. Uh, Tatiana Suarez, big, strong, powerful wrestler-based uh, fighter. Jessica Andrade, big, strong, powerful wrestling-based uh, explosive fighter. I think that's a really interesting matchup. I think that would be a really solid test uh, to see how good Tatiana Suarez is. She's very good, but I think, you know, Andrade would be a good step up for her. I think I'm going to go with that fight next for Andrade. Uh, like I said, the title fight for Rose, I think the, I think you really have to go that way. Uh, Rose versus Wei Zhang. Um, Nina Azarov, she won't be fighting for a bit, I don't believe. Uh, Claudia Gedalia, uh, Claudia Gedalia, um, Carla Spars is there. She fights. Um, she fights this weekend or next weekend. Um, you know, so I, I really think that's kind of the matchups you're locked into, especially if Suarez can get healthy. You go Andrade versus Suarez, and you go Rose versus Wele Zhang or Zhang Wele. Um, those J- Japanese names are really difficult it's listed as Wei Lei Zhang on the UFC rankings uh, page so really good win for Rose really exciting fight you know good fight Rose made the adjustments she needed to make Andrade had her moments but I thought a pretty clear victory for Rose Namajunas rounding out the main card we had Amanda Rebus defeating Paige Van Zandt submission via armbar 221 into the first round I did not expect Rebus to get it done that quickly and she kind of did to Paige Van Zandt what Paige Van Zandt likes to do to people she clinched up she took her down uh, with like a judo like a head like a head head and arm throw um, and then you know Paige scrambled got on top but Rebus Locked that armbar in, made made some really nice adjustments in that armbar to finish it. She pushed the head so she so her uh, her left leg could clear, and Paige Van Zant tried and tried to get out of that thing, um, but ultimately had to succumb to the armbar submission. Really good performance by Rebus, puts Paige Van 
Paige Van Zant into kind of a, you know, maybe sets her back in the negotiations, especially with UFC. I'm, I don't think Paige Van Zant will be back with UFC. I think she'll be going elsewhere, whether that be PFL when they start back up, whether that's Bellator. Um, I, I think Paige Van Zant is somebody that could really benefit from getting out from under the thumb of the UFC as far as sponsors go. Um, you know, I don't know. I know the UFC allowed her to do Dancing with the Stars and things like that. But I think that Paige Van Zandt at this point means more to somebody like a Bellator, is worth more to some to a place like Bellator than she is to the UFC right now. I think the UFC has, um, you know, I really think the UFC likes where their women's divisions are right now, especially on the lighter end. The Bantamweight and the... The bantamweight and the featherweight division, if you want to call the featherweight a division, you know, I think they could use some help there. But Paige Van Zant's not going to go up there and compete with Amanda Nunez and the 135ers. I don't think she should be fighting at 125. I think she's best at 115. And she's kind of seemed like she's not really willing to, do, to, to make that cut. And so... I think that she goes to Bellator. Bellator will kind of work around what she wants. I think you, the Bellator will be a little more eager to push her. Um, and I say, I, when I say push her, I mean give her some favorable matchups, kind of build her up, and then and then giving her some really uh, competitive fights uh, as as much as Bellator can do that. So, you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens to Paige Van Zant. Wherever she goes, she will be fine. Uh, she's always, you know, she, she's got lots of sponsors. Um, she plugs them on her Instagram all the time. I've heard her say that she makes more off her Instagram than she does fighting in the UFC. I think she wants to change that if she wants to keep fighting. So I'm curious to see what happens next with Paige Van Zandt. But if I have to put money on it, I do not think she will be uh, back in the UFC at this point in her career. I think she will sign elsewhere. As far as Amanda Rebus, man, though, whew, Amanda Rebus uh, just really looks sharp. She looks sharp striking. She Her clinch striking was good. She took Paige Van Zant down. When they got on the ground, she was able to close the deal versus submission. That's a pretty well-rounded performance by Amanda Rebus. And Amanda Rebus has character. She has charisma. Um, you know, she was in the crowd, if you want to call it that, at the Ige versus Cater fight, and she has a magnetic something about her, you know. Um, the camera likes her. She's kind of quirky. She's got lots of it. She's a ball of energy. She's got a nice smile, um, and, and she, I think she has star potential. Um, she's 4-0 in the UFC, she has beat Mackenzie Dern and now Paige Van Zant. Uh, you know, sky's the limit for her. Uh, this was at a flyweight. I think she would drop down to 115. Um, but, you know, I think if the opportunities are there for her to fight at 125, I think she doesn't have really a problem with that either. Uh, you know, I think that maybe one more fight and she'll be ready for a title fight. Um you have uh, 
right now she's ranked 12th in the women's strawweight division. Um, but I, I really think that, you know, these other fighters, um, the fighters ahead of her, I would favor her against a lot of them. Um, you know, up until you get into the top five, possibly. Um, you have Amanda Rebus at 12, Tisha Torres at 11. I would pick Rebus against Torres. Um, Yan Zhangnan um, is 10. Reba, I would pick Rebus against her. Marina Rodriguez, I'd pick uh, Rebus against her. Michelle Watterson, I would probably favor Rebus against her as well. Carlos Barza, I'm going to pick Rebus against her. Claudia Gedalia, I'm picking Rebus against her. Nina Anzaroff, mm, I think it'd be a good fight. I might pick Rebus against her. Um, that puts her up into the top five. Uh, so I, I think that Rebus might. The women's divisions aren't as contentious as the men's as far as the upper-ranked ladies uh, not wanting to fight somebody lower-ranked. So I, I, I'm hopeful that Rebus will get a step up and, and get one of those, you know, top eight fighters. I, I really think that that's where her, um, that's where her skills uh, put her. Um, but right now her ranking's 12th, and I just think, I just think that she is much better than her ranking, and I, I hope she gets an opportunity to show that against somebody with a little more clout. Uh, not that Paige Van, I mean Paige Van Zandt's a big name, but I, I think in that strawweight division, uh, there's names towards the top that that Rebus can can knock off and kind of put herself into title contention with another win. Um, as far as the flyweight division, I could see her squeezing in there. Um, you know, you got Jessica I, you got Cynthia Calvijo. Um, who will probably get the next title shot. Caitlin Chikagian's there. Um, Jennifer Maya, I thought, had a really good performance. But, you know, I think Rebus, you know, if she wanted to go over there and fight at those 125ers, she could do that and be successful there as well. But I I think Strawweight's probably her division. And I'm curious to see what the UFC gives her next. Um, I'm going to vote for a uh, Amanda Rebus. I believe Carla Esparza is fighting Marina Rodriguez, her next fight. I wouldn't want to see Rebus fight the winner of that. I think that's that's an interesting fight. So, uh, But, man, that, that'll round out the main card of UFC 251. Not a lot I want to get to on the undercard. Vulcan Ozdemir gets knocked out in the second round by Jiri. I'm not even going to try to say that name. There's way too many consonants and not enough vowels. Um, but, man... Jiri is a wild man, and and he can take a punch. And Ozdemir can deliver some big punches, and but Jiri just kept coming at him and eventually got the job done early in the second round. I thought that was a really impressive win. I'm curious to see where he goes next. Uh, minor setback here for for Ozdemir. Um, I I don't know where he goes from here. Um, he's fought a lot. Uh, he could maybe benefit from a little time off. Uh, but, you know, he's fought a lot of those upper guys in the light heavyweight division. Um, you know, he a lot of people thought he beat Dominic Reyes, and now, you know, he's kind of fallen off a little bit. I think maybe he could use a little time off. Um, 
Maquan Americani had a nice anaconda choke against Danny Henry. Uh, it was pretty good, pretty good performance. Other than that, I don't really want to talk about anything too much on the undercard of that of that fight. Uh, but UFC 251, very good, very good event, um, very good pay per view. Um, if you're going to grade this pay per view as a whole uh, out of five stars, I'm going to give it four and three quarter stars. I, I was very entertained by every fight. There wasn't a boring fight on the main card. Uh, I guess you'd say that the Masvidal versus Usman fight was not the best. Maybe four and three quarter stars is a little high. Drop it down to four and a half. Four and a half out of five stars. I was really, I really enjoyed this event. The main card was was highly entertaining, and you know we got the yawn finish. Um, we got the Rebus armbar against Paige Van Zant. Uh, the the Holloway. Um, Volkanovski fight was high level uh, strategy and tactics um, and and action. You know there was a lot of action in that fight. Those there wasn't a really you know extended period of slowdown in that featherweight fight. And then you got to see one of the best welterweights in the world, the best welterweight in the world, Kamara Usman, um, really just have his way with a very capable contender in Jorge Masvidal, even though Masvidal took it on six days notice. And then you had a really good bounce-back performance by Rose Nami Yunus. And that was also a very action-packed fight, good fight. But, man, just a really good card. I can't say enough good things about UFC 251. Four out of five stars from me. Now, we're going to get to the fight that took place on Wednesday night. Uh, this was a UFC on ESPN. Um, this also took place from Fight Island. And you had the main event. You had Calvin Cater defeating Dan Ige uh, with via unanimous decision, 49-46, 49-46, 48-47, all in favor of Calvin Cater. Really good fight, man. I, I was really impressed. Uh, Dan Ige, uh, you know, brought it, had his moments in the fight. Uh, he hung in there. He took some big shots. You know, was kind of on the bad end of a couple bad positions. Took some good ground and pound that one time in the in the fight, um, but he hung in there and he kept fighting. And but Cater just proved to be the better boxer, the better striker um, as the fight progressed. And I thought Ige, you know, maybe kind of fell off on his cardio towards the end of the fight. Didn't seem like he was wanting to push as much as he was early in the fight. Um, Really good fight, really good fight for both these guys. Like I said, I'll play matchmaker with both of those later, both those guys later. Um, but really good main event. Um, I, I could have saw that as fight of the night. Just uh, a really good performance by Calvin Cater sets him up for some possibly big things within the next couple of fights for him. I, he had the uh, recent loss to Zabit, um, but he was coming on strong in that fight. Um, and, and then he, you know, he has the big win against Jeremy Stevens, and now a very hard-fought victory against a very capable opponent, Dan Ige, kind of a under the, uh, um, you know, kind of out of the spotlight guy, Dan Ige. You know, he had a good win against Edson Barboza his last fight, but you know, he's just kind of under the radar kind of guy. Um, you know, 
a lot of guys don't want to fight Dan Ige because of the number by his name, but Calvin Cater didn't care, and he came in there and took care of business, and he, you know, is probably going to get a big name in his next fight, and he could possibly work his way into a title shot. I don't, I don't know exactly what's happening with the other guys in that division. I'll play matchmaker here in a little bit, but, um, but yeah, I think you know Calvin Cater moves his name into a big fight, his next one, um, and hopefully with all the COVID stuff, it gets you know hopefully he's got a quick turnaround and we can get some things going in that division. Um, but good good performance by Calvin Cater. Good performance by Danny Gay. I was really pleased to see those guys, uh, you know, take pictures together and stuff after that fight. Um, that's something that kind of gets you don't see as much as the sport has progressed. Um, you know, those guys earned each other's respect. They, I think, they had each other's respect before they got in there. And then, you know, no bad blood. Just guys just trying to better themselves, better their careers. Um, I, Ige didn't wasn't upset with the decision. I don't think he had a right to be. He, he knew he lost, but uh, he kept his head up. He knew he f- gave it everything he had, and, and you know, Cater was just the better guy, and Cater gave respect to Dan Ige. I just thought it was a really good moment, you know, not a cheesy moment by any means. Just a, you know, really respectable moment, and I'm glad they showed some of that on the broadcast. In the co-main event, Tim Elliott defeats Ryan Benoit via decision, unanimous decision, 29-28 on all three cards. I did not see that fight this way. I had it 29 for 28 for Benoit. Um, but um, I can't, you know, I didn't like the decision. I was more upset with this decision than I was the Holloway versus Volkanovski decision. Um, Tim Elliott, unique fighter. Um, definitely had his moments. He landed some, you know, he landed strikes. I just thought... Um, you know, the fight, I gave Tim Elliott the second round. Um, you know, that's when he had the guillotine choke. He got mount, almost got knee barred. Um, I thought that was his best round. Um, but I gave I gave Benoit the, the first and the third. Um, you know, it's just uh, I think he could have done a little more in that first round. I think he was really trying to get the reads on Elliott. I just don't – maybe he kind of gave that round away. But, you know, the scoring criteria calls for effective striking. And I thought when uh, Benoit was striking, he was the more effective striker. I, I think um, Tim Elliott kind of has a style and, and – I'm not saying that this is malicious. His style is malicious in any way. Um, but I think that his style um, is a lot of sizzle and not a lot of stake on his stand-up. I think he uses that stuff to initiate clinches and wrestling sequences. His grappling is very good. Um, but I can I think that sometimes judges can get mystified by Elliot um, dancing around and throwing a lot of stuff. But to me, it's just a lot of sizzle and not a lot of steak. Um, you know, he, uh, you know, he tries to th- he he throws a lot out there, but a lot of it's not even intended to land. And uh, you know, I I don't know. I mean, I'm not a judge. Um, if I was judging that fight, I would have gave it to Benoit. Um, but you know, I can't be real upset because, like I said, Benoit didn't maybe do enough early in the fight. Um, to to give the judges to to give him the to give him the round, 
Um, I thought there was a case for Benoit winning all three rounds, really. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know. I, I just, when I watched the fight, I did not, um, I did not, I did not think Tim Elliott won that fight. I thought I thought Benoit was the effect more effective striker, and I I scored it for him. Um, but good win for Tim Elliott. He really needed this coming off. Uh, I think he was on a three fight losing streak, so this was a really important win for Tim Elliott. I don't think Benoit loses all that much uh, with a loss against a former title contender in a hard fought f- matchup. Um, I don't know what's next for either of those guys. That that flyweight division is all kinds of screwed up right now. Hopefully we get some clarity this coming weekend um, and, and we can look to move forward. But I don't think either one of those guys is going to be you know, sniffing a title shot anytime soon. Both guys have a lot of work to do. I'm really looking forward to what, uh, what Benoit, uh, how he progresses in his next couple fights. I think there's a lot of room for improvement there. He's got a lot of raw, natural tools, and I think if he can just kind of, you know, sharpen his skills a little bit, he's gonna be a he's gonna be a bad dude to mess with in that 125 division. Seems like he has good power. Seems like he has a variety of good techniques. Um, he had some really good uh, wrestling counters to Elliot. And he's got some pretty slick jujitsu as well. I mean, I really thought he was going to force Elliot to tap to that knee bar, um, and and Elliot was able to escape and get out of there. But I think he, I think he's well rounded as it is, and I think if he starts sharpening those skills, and, and I think if he can develop some better tactics, um, I think I think Ryan Benoit can be a force in this in this UFC flyweight division going forward. Um, the last fight I want to talk about on this card, uh, Jimmy Rivera with a bounce back win versus Cody Stallman. Not the most exciting fight. Um, Rivera gets the decision, a unanimous decision, excuse me, 30-27, 30-27, and a 29-28 scorecard. Those guys are way, uh, very, very similar. Um, both guys kind of wrestlers, both guys a little shorter. Um, even for the Bantamweight division. And, uh, you know, some really good grappling sequences in here, good wrestling sequences. I, I thought Rivera won that fight. Uh, you know, I thought I gave Rivera all three rounds, I believe. Uh, just a, a really good bounce-back performance. And I, I'm glad to see that Rivera learned from some of his previous fights. Uh, he talked about the Yan fight. He fought Peter Yan, and I thought the Peter Yan fight was very even. And like Rivera said, you know, he lost it in the last thirty seconds of each round. He lost he lost the rounds in the last thirty seconds. You know, he kind of gave rounds away, or Yan kind of took them away in the in the last thirty seconds of the round, and it might have cost Rivera that fight. Um, he uh, he kept his foot on his gas, did not let Stammen do that to him. And really good victory for Jimmy Rivera. Um, you know, there's options for him. Um, I don't think this loss sets Stallman back too much. Um, you know, he, he was coming off a really emotional win his last fight. Uh, these guys both took this fight on pretty short notice. Um, you know, and I, I think Stallman has, uh, I think Stallman, this was maybe one of his better performances uh, stand-up-wise. 
Um, you know, he hung in there with a better striker in Rivera and had his moments. He landed a really nice flying knee. Um, he landed some good good counters. Uh, just a, a really good fight, and I was glad to see Jimmy Rivera bounce back and get a win here. Uh, Jimmy Rivera seems like a, a really good dude. Um, gave a shout-out to the UFC employee that's uh, – that's fighting cancer right now. Gave you know took time out of his interview to to shout her out, and apparently has set up a GoFundMe for her. It's uh, he seems like a really good dude, and, and he's had some big wins, and he's kind of a little bit on the skid there. Had the loss to Jan, um, and you know, I, I'm curious to see where he goes going forward. I think he could work himself back up into that top five of that division. Um, Stallman could too. They're, both the guys are, and they're not old by any means. And you know, both those guys have room to improve. Um, but I'm really curious to see where Jimmy Rivera goes from here. I thought it was a really good win, really good fight. Um, not the uh, not the casuals' favorite fight, I would say, but um, you know, high level stuff from both of those guys in that fight. On down the card, you had. Uh, Talia Santos defeats Molly McCann as a pretty one-sided victory. Um, uh, Lizez defeated uh, Razak Al-Hassan, 30-27, That was a pretty good fight. Those guys, I think that got fight of the night. Um, and then Kamazah Chemiev defeats John Phillips via Darce. This was the most impressive performance uh, on the card. I'm really curious to see where that go where that guy goes in the middleweight division. Um, he just overwhelmed John Phillips start to finish. Uh, just a, a really good fight, a really good performance by Chimiev. Um Not a lot after that on down the card. Jared Gordon got a good win, but um, but man, just just some good good matchups, good fights on the card. Calvin Cater though, really good performance. And uh, with that, I think we'll just go ahead and get to the UFC 145 matchmaker. All right. Goofy entrance music notwithstanding. Let's get into this UFC featherweight division and let's do some matchmaking here. I think we got to start right at the top. Uh, the UFC featherweight champion, Alexander Volkanovsky, coming off a controversial decision against Max Holloway at UFC 251. Um, you know, he has some options. I, people are Some people are asking for the Max Holloway rematch. Don't think you can do that. As much as Max may deserve it uh, after that controversial you know, loss on his part, man, it, it's just... When you when a guy's up 2-0, I think Max needs to kind of work his way back. Um, you know, he didn't get robbed on that decision. Uh, he might have deserved the win, but it wasn't a robbery. I don't think he can go back to that fight a third time in a row. So I think we need to find somebody new for Alexander Volkanovsky. If I have my pick, I'm going to go with the Korean zombie, Chan Sung Jung. Uh, Chan Sung Jung just blew out Frankie Edgar in his last fight. Knocked Edgar out of the division. I think Edgar had plans to leave anyway, but, um, you know, nobody's really done that to Frankie Edgar um, since the Gray Maynard fight. So, um, 
just a a tremendous performance by Chan Sung Jung. I know they wanted to set up the Brian Ortega fight with with Chan Sung Jung. So, um, you know, uh, it's – I think you can do that fight later. I think, if, you know, if Chan Sung Jung loses, you can go back to the Brian Ortega fight. I think Brian Ortega is maybe a couple fights away from the title shot. So I'm going to pick Alexander Volkanovsky versus Chan Sung Jung for the featherweight title in uh, Volkanovski's next defense. I think Chan Sung Jung deserves it. I think it would be an exciting fight. I think it would be an interesting uh, matchup for Volkanovski, a guy that's going to try to finish Volkanovski um, everywhere. Everywhere the fight goes, Korean Zombie's going to try to finish it. And he has the he has the tools to do it. And uh, so that's my pick for the next contender for Alexander Volkanovsky. Volkanovsky versus the Korean Zombie is my next matchup. Max Holloway. He is the number one contender currently. Uh, the number one ranked fighter. Uh, I don't think he's the number one contender. Uh, I, I know that's difficult. I, that, In my opinion, that's what the ranking should be. The ranking should be who deserves the title shot next. It should be the contender Q. Um, you know, Max Holloway just lost to Volkanovski in back-to-back fights. I really don't think he should be number one anymore in the contender queue. But that's not what their rankings are. Max Holloway is ranked number one right now. Um, and who should he fight next? Well, let's look and see who's number two. That would be Zabit Magomed Sharapov. I think that's the fight to make. I think Sharapov is tremendous talent. Um, we've seen some problems with his cardio. Put him in there five rounds against Max Holloway, and we'll see just how good this kid is. If he's able to beat Max Holloway, man, you know, sky's the limit for this kid. Um, I know people might say that's a pretty big step up, but, I mean, where else can he go? He's beat Calvin Cater. Um, you know, he's supposed to fight Yari Rodriguez. That fight's been made and dumped a couple times. Um, you know, he's beat Jeremy Stevens. Um, I really think that's next for, for Magomed Sherpa. If you're not going to give Zabit the title shot, I think you got to give him Max Holloway. Um, and, and that's an opportunity for, for Holloway to get a, a very nice win, give Zabit his first loss. I think that would really set Max up to put himself right back into a title shot. So I think that's the fight to make for both of those guys. I think Holloway versus the beat, uh, very interesting stylistic matchup. Um, and, and I think it's going to put the beat in some deep water and we're going to see if he can swim in it or not against the shark. That is Max Holloway. All right. So that's our one and two guy on the third on our list. We have Brian Ortega. Brian Ortega has been rumored to fight the Korean zombie. Um, you know, they've even got into some altercations in the crowd uh, when there were, we were still had crowds at fights. But I think that you give zombie the, the title shot. So that leaves Brian Ortega without a fight. Now, as we look down these rankings, you could do uh, Ortega versus Yair Rodriguez. That's cool. Could do Calvin Cater. That's cool. Josh Emmett. Uh, he's got to have surgery on his knee. He's going to be out a little bit. You got Frankie Edgar, who's moving down to bantamweight. Um, Jeremy Stevens. I don't really like that fight. 
for Brian Ortega. Dan Ige just lost. You could do that fight, maybe. But I'm going to go with a guy that's not on here. Um, I'm going to go with Edson Barboza. Edson Barboza just dropped down his last fight, lost a close, close decision against Dan Ige. I think, I'm trying to remember, but I think I scored that for Barboza. I thought Barboza did enough to win. And I think that would be an opportunity for Ortega. Uh, I think Barbosa is a winnable fight against Ortega, but it gives him some challenge. Like, Barbosa is not going to be a walkover. Um, Barbosa looked really good. Barbosa is a big dude uh, for 145. Uh, that's what I'm going to go to for Brian Ortega in his, in his return fight. He's been out, it's got to be almost two years, right? You know, when he fought Holloway. And uh, he hasn't fought since. So he's battled injuries. I, I think that that is a good, winnable fight for Brian Ortega to see where he's at in that featherweight division. I think he's ranked third, but with the time off, the injuries uh, got beat pretty handily against Holloway. I really want to see uh, what he's what he's got. I, maybe it, it's, it's not a tune-up fight. But I think at this point, it's a, it's a really good tune-up-ish fight for for Brian Ortega. So I'm going to go with Brian Ortega, and I'm going to go a guy that's not in the rankings right now at, at 145. I'm going to say Brian Ortega versus Edson Barbosa. Now, uh, Chan Sung Jung is for the Korean Zombie. We already talked about him. Five, you have Yair Rodriguez. What do we do with Yair Rodriguez? Yair Rodriguez... Very talented fighter. Um, I think there's one fight to make for Yair, Yair Rodriguez right now, and that is the Calvin Cater fight. I think that's a really, really good fight. I think Calvin Cater has some slick boxing, and with the aggressive style that Yair pre- presents, uh, the heavy kicking style, I think that's a very good stylistic matchup. And I I wouldn't be surprised if that fight does not go the distance. I think somebody would get finished in that fight. I think it would be a barn burner of a fight. Uh, Calvin Cater does not back down. Um, He does not get pushed around in that cage. And Yair Rodriguez uh, likes to have his foot on the gas pretty heavy as well. So I think that's a fun matchup for the fans. Um, Yair Rodriguez is on a good win streak. You know, he beat Korean Zombie. Granted, in a fight, he was one second away from losing. But, um, you know, that's a really big win for Yair. He's on a really good win streak. Um, You know, his only loss to Frankie Edgar in the UFC. So that's what I'm going to go for for Yair Rodriguez. I'm going to go the Calvin Cater fight. Uh, Calvin Cater is ranked sixth. Yair Rodriguez is fifth. That's what I think that's where you go. Um, Josh Emmett, we talked about him. He had knee surgery. Um, he's going to be out, so we're not going to figure him in right away. Uh, Frankie Edgar is at seventh, uh, tied with Josh Emmett. Um, so, and he's not in the division anymore. He's going down to bantamweight. And then I think we get our next matchup right here, Jeremy Stevens versus Dan Ige. I think uh, Jeremy Stevens is ninth. Ige is tenth. I think that's a good matchup. Both those guys coming off losses. Stevens has has had a couple losses in a row, and then a wild card you could throw in there is Ryan Hall. I think maybe those, you know, pick two of those three guys: Ryan Hall, Ege, and Stevens. Match them up, 
and I think that's a good fight. I, I just don't know. You know, Ryan Hall seems to be having trouble getting fights. Um, I don't think Ige is going to be the type to avoid Ryan Hall, but so those are kind of my matchups. All right. So in the featherweight division, we have uh, Volkanovski versus Chan Sung Jung. I think that's pretty good. Holloway versus Zabit. Ortega versus Barboza. Cater versus Rodriguez. And Stevens versus either Ige or Hall. Or you could do Hall versus Ige. Those are my matchups. Let me know what you think. Email me. Uh, tell me how stupid I am. If you have better matchups, let me know. Um, let me know what you would do with those guys in the featherweight division. All right. With that being done with the 145 matchmaker, let's move on to this weekend's card, and we'll talk about a couple of the fights there. It is UFC Fight Night. Um, this is Davison Figueredo versus Joseph Benavidez 2. This is for the vacant flyweight title. Um, in the first fight, uh, Figueredo did not make weight. He was not eligible to win the title. Benavidez won the first round on all three judges' scorecards. There was an incidental headbutt that cut Benavidez, maybe uh, rocked him a little bit as well, and then Figueredo was able to put him down and out shortly thereafter, but he was not rewarded the title because he did not make weight, so they just ran this one back, um, which I think is a good call. I don't know what else you're going to do at that flyweight division right now. Um, I think these two guys are the two rightful contenders I think Figueredo beat Menavidez you know he's got a you know he's got a right to the to have the number one contendership um even though he didn't make weight and then you know you had Benavidez who's kind of got a you know valid excuse with the incidental headbutt that the referee didn't catch got cut maybe got rocked a little bit um you know leading to the loss for him. And he had a really good performance in the first round. So I think these two guys, um, I think these two guys are the rightful two guys to fight for the 125 title. As far as who wins, I'm going to go with Benavidez. I picked against Benavidez the first fight. I thought Figueredo was going to win. Um, but Benavidez really impressed me in that first round um, up until that headbutt. Um, you know, Figueredo had his moments, but... Um, and he ultimately got the win, but Benavidez performed better than I thought he would. I think Benavidez knows uh, what happens if he gets a little, um, you know, maybe, you know, I think I think he knows that that Figueredo can, can has the power to finish the fight. So I, I think Benavidez is going to come in with a really good game plan. And from what he showed me in the first round, he can beat Figueredo. And, and I'm curious, you know, we haven't really seen Figueredo tested over a long fight. We have seen Benavidez tested. So I think if Benavidez can can drag this into the third round, get it into those championship rounds, I think Benavidez will really be able to start to turn it on. Um, but he, he's got to fight smart. Um, but I think he will, and I think he has the tools, and I was impressed with Benavidez's performance, um, even in a loss the last time out. And... I'm going to go with Benavidez. I think Benavidez finally captures his UFC gold that he's been looking for for a long time, and I, I, I'm kind of rooting for him, too. I, 
you know, I want to see guys like that succeed. You know, he would be like a Michael Bisbing story, a guy that was always a bridesmaid, never a bride. And um, he's got a chance to put on that wedding dress that is the UFC belt on Saturday. And I would love to see it, um, you know, especially it would maybe teach Figueredo a lesson about making weight as well. You know, if he just made weight last time, he would be champion. And now, you know, if he loses this fight, it's kind of, you know, he doesn't have anybody to blame but himself. So, um, you know, so I'm going to pick Joseph Benavidez. Moving on down the card. In the co-main event, we have Jack Hermanson versus Kelvin Gastelum in a middleweight bout. Um, Gastelum coming off a few rough performances. Um, He will take on Hermanson, who is... Uh, you know, he has some big wins. Um, he's had a few losses. I think he beat Jacare. That's probably his biggest win so far. Um, you know, he has wins over uh, Jacare. He has wins over David Branch, uh, Gerald Mearshart, uh, Talis Latis. Um, you know, he's got some decent wins in the UFC. Um, he lost his last time out. He he lost to Jared Cannonier. Uh, got TKO'd. Um, you know, a setback for him. Uh, Kelvin Gastelum has fought the better competition, I believe. Um, you know, but he's coming off a little bit of a skid here, had the loss to Israel Adesanya and then loses a split decision against Darren Till. But I thought he lost that fight pretty clearly. Um, so, uh, I think just based on, uh, the competition level, I have to favor Kelvin Gastelum. I think he's, he's, He's fought the better competition at this point in his career, and I, I'm really going to go with Kelvin Gastelum. It's a three-round fight. Um, I think he's got the power advantage over Hermanson. Uh, I think he's got good enough grappling to to deal with Hermanson. Hermanson's kind of got a crafty, sneaky jiu-jitsu game. Um, so I think... Uh, I think... Uh, I'm going to go with Kelvin on this one. I think Kelvin gets it done. I think he finishes Hermanson in this fight um, and and kind of reinserts himself into the middleweight in the middleweight division. Um, on down that card, you have uh, you have Mark Dykesy, uh versus Raviel Fiziev. Um, you know, don't know a lot about uh, Rafael here. Um, you know, see what else we got down the card here. Askar Askarov fights a flyweight f- title fight. He just beat Tim Elliott, I believe, his last t- fight out. Um, so that's interesting. Um, Grant Dawson, um, he fights. Joseph Duffy makes his return. Um, Brett Johns, I really like Brett Johns. He's a, he's had some really good submission wins. Um, you know, so, you know. Some okay fights, but really those top two fights are the ones uh, that I'm really going to be tuning in to see. Um, And my picks are Benavidez to capture the flyweight title and Kelvin Gastelum to get the job done against Joker Jack Hermanson. So with that, that's going to do it for this week's episode of the podcast. I appreciate you guys for listening. Um, If you could... Uh, like, rate, review, and most importantly, share this podcast wherever and however you listen. 
We are available on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. Um, and we're, we're probably on a few other ones, but those are the main ones. Um, check us out on there. Share us, like us, rate us, review us. Do all that nice stuff for us here at the podcast. You can also uh, like our page on Facebook. I post on Facebook more than I do Twitter. Um, so if you want to engage with me, Facebook is probably the place to do it as far as the podcast goes. Uh, you can follow us. Uh, you can like us there on Facebook at facebook.com slash the MMA discourse. Uh, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at the MMA discourse. You can also follow me personally at Horton Blake. That's W H O R T O N B L A K E. Um, you will get, uh, a little bit of MMA, you'll get a lot of politics um, on my personal page. So if you don't care for my politics, then don't follow my personal page. Um, but I do, I'll, maybe I'll need to get better at tweeting. Um, but if you start following me on there, I will tweet more. Um, if you have a question for the podcast, I do listener questions on here. You can email us, uh, email the podcast at the MMA discourse at gmail.com and I will be glad to read your questions and answer them on the air. With all that stuff said, I am your host, Blake Horton. You have been listening to the MMA Discuss podcast and we will hopefully see you next week as we will review the fight night card and there is actually a really good fight card coming up next weekend on the 25th of July. Robert Whitaker faces Darren Till in a very interesting middleweight matchup. Uh, Alexander Gustafson moves up to heavyweight. It's going to fight Fabricio Verdum. It's a really, really good card for a non-pay-per-view card. So we will preview that. We will review the card from this weekend. Until then, I am Blake Horton, and this has been the MMA Discourse Podcast.